uh, just bow our heads before the Lord and before the Holy Spirit. I want to thank you, Spirit of the living God, how great thou art. You are so great, it's so good, so merciful, so kind. Thank you, Lord, because you've poured upon our hearts the love of God. And I want to thank you for ministering to us tonight, Spirit of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I want to start a new series. We're doing this on Wednesday night. And uh, on Sunday, I'll be doing something different. Uh, Sunday, there will be another series, and I'll be preaching on the gift of God. It's, it's very important. I believe the Holy Spirit dropped that in my spirit. The gift of God that keeps on giving. Amen. But tonight, we're going the power of God's love. The power of God's love. Father, thank you. Amen. It is the love of God in action that brought everlasting hope to mankind. It was God's love fully in action that's brought us hope. The human race has hope today because of the love of God. God came in his love. You see, there are three forces that are at work on the earth today. Three powerful forces that can influence your life, that can change your life, that can change any human life. Three forces. And these are the force of faith, the force of hope. That means vision. Without vision, my people perish. And the force of love. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, Paul tells us that the greatest of these is love. So the greatest force on earth today is the force of God's love. There's so much power as we go into this, this series, you'll begin to see how great this force is. Nothing works without the love of God. In John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, the word of God tells us, we know that we have passed from death to life. Because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. We're, talk, we're not talking about the love, the feely love of man. You know, I love just, we're talking about the agape love of God. The word of God is telling us here that the one who has the love of God, he says, we know, there's no doubt about it. We know that we have passed from death to life because we have the love of God for our brother. And if you don't have the love of God for your brother, you abide in death. Now you're saying, well, I feel hate, but I'm still alive. I don't like that person, but I'm still alive. But he's not talking about the physical death. What this is, if you don't have the love of God, things in your life will begin to die. They die. But because we have the love of God, and you have the love of God, because God has poured out his love into your heart, you have the ability to love everyone, even those who are hurtful to you. God has given you the ability to love them, 
through the power of his Holy Spirit. So you have, as a believer, the power of love living inside of you, and you can love anyone. You just have to choose to love. And if you choose to love, everything in your life will come alive. You, are by, you know you have passed from death to life. You have passed from a failing marriage that's dying to marriage that's alive. Can I hear an amen? Your finances will come alive. Everything, there is no longer death in your life when you abide in the love of God. And you express that love in your heart for people. Now, most people, there are different individuals. Some people have, you know, they're always hugging. And people think those are the people that really love. <laughs> they hug you and kick you real good. <laughs> so that's not the way it goes. It's, it's the love of God inside. And God is the one that sees what's happening inside. And when you have that, everything you touch will come alive. When God says... Everything you set your hands to do will prosper. That's what he's talking about. When you have the love of God, you have passed from death unto life. But if you have not that love, you are living inside death. And when you live inside death, you have decay. So everything around your life, this is how powerful the love of God. Notice what John says. He didn't say, I'm suggesting to you. He says, I know. We know. We have passed because we have that love of God. And then in the same chapter, chapter 4, verse 18, it says, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. It's so important for you to know that fear attracts negative things. What you fear will come to you. That's why Jesus said, God, Paul said, God has not given us the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. When God is your Father, you have no reason to fear. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible tells us, God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. My mind is sound. I cannot be depressed. Because I have the spirit of love. He's given us the spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. You can't have love and not have a sound mind. And if you have a sound mind with God, you have no reason to fear because God's with you. That's how powerful the love of God is. He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, you see, love has the power of casting out everything that's fearful that comes your way. It just cast it out. That's how powerful the love of God is. He'll cast this out from you. Perfect love casts out all fear. He says the reason why God doesn't want that for you, when you, for you to love, he wants you to love. He doesn't want fear in your life because fear has torment. Involves torment. And God doesn't want anyone who loves him to be tormented in any way. No way. That's not his will for your life. 
But you have to abide in his love. Abiding in his love. And abiding in God's love is also by faith. You have to choose to love. Every one of you that I'm looking at tonight, you have that power living in you. You can love. You can love like Jesus loved. Because Jesus told us to. He won't tell us to do something we cannot do. That would be tough. Asking us to do something that we don't have the ability to, to do. But because the Holy Spirit, it says the love of God has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit that God has given to us. So God has poured his love into your heart and you have the ability to love. Why that? He wants you to be successful in everything that you do. So his love has power. The love of God has power. How does this love manifest in us? This is a key word. This is very important. This is very important. This is where the rubber means the rubber is really very important. I read this scripture and I had to go to God. <laughs> it's really important because basically God's saying you can define yourself as to where you stand in this. This is what the word of God tells us in John chapter 14 verse 21 through 24. He, Jesus was speaking to his disciples right before he went to the cross. And he was telling them about him manifesting himself to, his, to those that believe in him. Here he says, he who has my commandment and keeps them, it is he who loves me. You can say you love God. And we can say that. But if you know what God has commanded, you know you have the ability because he's giving you the power to. You know you can. And if for some reason, whatever reason, you decide I'm not going to do this. For whatever it is, you are demonstrating to the Father, clearly, you don't love him. Let's read through this, you know, because it really touched me myself, you know, thinking I have to really go to God in prayer as I was preparing this message. It's really important. This is very positive because you can switch. You understand what I'm saying? Right where you are. It's a positive thing. You can switch in your mind just right there. God, I'm going to do what you say. And everything changes right there. I like Kenneth Egan. When he said, God was saying to him, yeah, he was complaining to the Lord. And he said, God, you told me to leave that ministry. All of my needs were being met. The, the people paid me well. They gave me a place to stay. And I was doing so well. Now you asked me to leave, to leave this place. And now I got into this church. I can hardly pay my bills. Why did you let me leave? And now you're not meeting my needs. I was willing to do it. God said, he said, no, he said, I was obedient. God said, yeah, you were obedient, but you were not willing. <laughs> you were obedient, but you were not willing. You did what I said out of fear, but you were not really willing. And he said, instantly, I said, God, I repent. He switched from the inside. And he said, okay, now, God, I've changed my mind. I, I really want to do it. Now, can you bless me? 
and everything changed. You can switch just like that. Just like that you can switch. But let's read this scripture. He who has my commandments and keep them, it is he who loves me. Very clear. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I think about this. Are you saying God doesn't love everybody equally? Well, this is coming from the mouth of Jesus, right? He says, if you keep my commandments, you love me. And if you do that, that's a clear indication. And then my father will love you. But God has already said in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loves everybody. But for this individual who loves Jesus, there is a special kind of love that's reserved for this individual. And we'll come into it. It's very important. He says, my father will love him and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Revelation. I will reveal myself to him. You remember when Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration? The other disciples, the 12 of them, none of them had ever seen Jesus that way because he revealed himself to these three. And they saw him and they knew Oh, right. Uh, this is a different kind of man. But the others never saw that. They never did. He only revealed himself to those three. Did I do this? <laughs> three. It says, Judas, verse 23, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? We want you revealed to the world. But this was how Jesus replied. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him. Now it's him and his father. We will come to him and make our home with him. I mean, you want God to make his home with you. God the Father, God the Son, your address is their address. They live with you. That's what Jesus said, and he cannot lie. He means every word that he's saying here. If anyone loves me, the Father will love him. I will love him. We will make our home with this individual. We'll stay with them. That's what he's saying. We will stay with them. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. So when you love him, you keep his word. And when you do that, the father will love you. He loves everyone, but he doesn't make his home with everybody. He makes his home with those who love him specially and are willing to do his word. Keeping his word is meaning his word means something to you. Even though you fail doing it sometimes, but you hurt when you do it and you go against his word because you love him. You, feel, you know how it is when you, love, you hurt somebody that you really love? That's what should take place in your heart. But it's another thing when it doesn't bother you at all. That's when I'm afraid that God, please, baptize me again. Put your fire inside of me. It's so important. You know, life, we're going on, we're, we are on a journey. 
We are right now having a wilderness experience. We are going into our promised land. God does give us types of our promised land while we are in this, this path that we're going back there to be with him. But I would rather right here, he lives with me in my home, with my family. As he says in Isaiah 54, I will be your, your children's teacher. I will teach them. When he's at home with you, everything's going to go well. Even if it seems like they're not going well, at that particular time, God lives with you. Jesus lives with you. The Holy Spirit lives with you. Since we eventually turn it right, because it says all things work together for good to who? To those who love him. When you love him, he abides with you in your home. And no matter what's happening in your home, if there's the love of God, all things will eventually turn out for your good. That's why you don't have any reason to be afraid. Because, because his love is abiding in you. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. That's what I'm saying. God, is there any word that you've spoken that I'm unwilling to keep? Let me know. Reveal it to me so that I can switch. The Bible says that when God speaks to you and you understand his word and the word gets into your heart, then you position yourself and he'll heal you. That's what Jesus said. He said, but for those who don't understand his word, the enemy comes and he steals the word so that he doesn't bear fruit in them. But I don't want that for my life. And I know you don't want that for your life. And you will never have that in your life. Can I hear an amen? Because God loves you and you love God. Can I hear you say that? I love the Lord. It's not just a saying. Let it go deep into your spirit. Let it go deep into your spirit. Verse 24 is frightening. He says, he who does not love me does not keep my word. When, if you don't love God, you won't keep what he says. It doesn't matter what he says. You have an argument against it. You're not going to listen. In be two months, three months, you're just not going to listen. And he knows that you really don't love him. And you think you're smart, but he knows you don't love him. Because, you know, sometimes we do things to hurt ourselves, and we're not even aware that we are hurting ourselves. Is it only me that does that? <laughs> we do things we're hurting ourselves. But it's very clear. Jesus was so clear with his disciples. He said, if you don't do it, you really don't love me. He wouldn't be expecting you to do it if you don't have the ability to, right? You just have chosen not to do it. That's the frightening part. Please, God, help me so that I'll never, ever get to the place where I've made up my mind. I'm not going to listen to God in this area. I'm going to do what I think is right. Well, you are leaning on your own understanding. Proverbs chapter 3. You don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, even if it doesn't make sense to you. You see, the way God is, the way I know God today, is God doesn't settle right away. God doesn't settle anybody right away. That's why sometimes you, you sit down and you're watching people, murderers, and it seems like, how come they killed this person, but now they're still living? And for years, you're wondering, but... God has his own time. He's such a good God and such a patient God. But we can fall in love with him tonight. Amen? Let me ask you this. 
How important is this to Jesus? You remember, think about it. We read about Peter. If Jesus were to call you and pull you aside and ask you directly, looking into your face, do you love me? What would you say? We like to read about Peter, don't we? I like to read about it. But if I was, if Jesus, and he's the same Jesus, right? If he did it to Peter, he loves me as much as he loves Peter. But I'm wondering, what if if he pulls me aside and start asking me, looking straight into my eyes and asking me, do you love me? What am I going to say? You know you can't hide anything from him. He sees everything. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You have to tell him the truth. You made a mistake, but Peter knew that was a mistake, but he knew he loved his master. Amen? He still knew he loved his master. If he was able to help it, he wouldn't have. So he said, yes, master, I I love you. And then Jesus came back again. Do you love me, Peter? I mean, three times. That's very significant. And so let's, let's begin to ask ourselves constantly, if Jesus lives with you, you wake up in the morning, isn't he saying he will make his home with you, right? Do you tell him every morning you love him? We got to tell him. Because what comes out of our mouth goes into our heart. That's our spirit. And as you keep saying it, your body will begin to respond. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. So you speak words of life. Amen? Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. But you know how God is? If you say it and it's not that one day you say it from the mouth and you say, yeah, you love me, but what about this? That thing is going to die that day. Amen? That's the day for the death of that thing because life is coming to your life. Amen? Life is coming. So that's how we know That's how the love of God manifests itself in us. It's just simple obedience. Simple obedience. Not arguing with the word of God. I personally, I I don't like arguing about God's word. You make me very uncomfortable if you try to debate. (laughs) Just do what you want to do, brother. I'm not going to argue with you. If it's good for you, go ahead. I just don't understand it that way. And I'm too scared to go that way. Amen? I just want to do what's right. That's what I want. Amen. The greatness of God's love. How great it is. What can he deliver to us if you really love him? How much can God give to us if you love him? In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul in a prayer and, and what was happening here, Paul was in prison when Paul wrote to the uh, church in Ephesus. And Paul was very concerned because he thought in his mind that they are going to kind of waver because of what he was going through. And so he was trying to encourage them and to strengthen them. And these were the words that Paul used in trying to strengthen the believers in Ephesus. Now, remember... Paul had nothing to correct in the church of Ephesus. This, this was a good church. He, he was just writing. And if you read in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul goes on uh, to him who is able to do 
exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even imagine and, and, and we're told that Paul was just like in glory he was just praising God even in his chains he was praising God I'm going to show you from God's word why Paul had so much revelation because of his love for God I'm going to tell you this but we'll go on to that but it's so important he says for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is called. How many families? One. The whole family in heaven, and I bow my knees before him, that he will grant you, I want God to grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. They were already filled with the Holy Spirit. And yet Paul was wanting God to strengthen them with might. Warriors for God. In the inner man. That is their born again spirit. That's what he was talking about. The inner man is your born again spirit. I need that spirit strengthened to become mighty, just like the God, the Spirit of God is living in you. I want God to grant that to you, so you don't waver because of problems, because of my chains, and think, well, it, does, it doesn't, it, this is no good, because look, look at Paul. He wants God to strengthen them. That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. That you being rooted, this is where we're going now, that you being rooted and grounded in love, you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. How are you able to comprehend with the rest of the saints? When you are grounded in God's love, that's when you can be a commander in God's kingdom. There's a book called God's General. Rooted and grounded. In other words, you were planted in it, you were rooted in it, and that's your ground. Fasting there on that solid rock. But the foundation of it is love. Love of God. Rooted and grounded in love. The love of God. So you can comprehend. So revelation comes only when you're granted, grounded in, 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 in the love of God. This is when light comes in. When you're rooted and grounded in God's love. Rooted so you can comprehend with all the saints. And we're talking about saints like David. We're talking like, about saints like Solomon, Paul, Peter, a fisherman. Today we have people reading through the, the writings of Paul and getting their PhDs. I mean post hole diggers, no kidding. <laughs> and doctors of divinity. Out of something a fisherman wrote. Because God gave him revelation. To comprehend with all the sins, what is the width and the length and depth 
and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That's an amazing thing. You are going to know something that passes knowledge. You can't know it, but you can know it. That's the mystery of the kingdom of God. He wants you to know the breadth of it, meaning it's so wide it can reach every nation of the world. He's so lengthy, it's everlasting. It keeps going. No matter how low you go, the depths of it, no matter how low you get, no matter how bad you think, this love of God can lift you up all the way to the top. I want you to know that. To be rooted and grounded, to know the love of God. And to know the height of it, taking you all the way to the top. Paul says, I want you to know this. This is good for us. To give ourselves true love. And I will just tell you about this, this knowledge. You know, the two individuals that had the greatest revelation in the New Testament? Paul and John. And what he said about John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Paul, Jesus, he was we're like friends. Even though it was God, he knew that was God, but that was his friend. You know, Paul was taken to the third heaven and told, you can't say anything about what you saw. Guess what happened to John? He saw and he says, right. Right? It's a little bit of different there. Write everything. And there are certain things God shows him and says, don't write that. <laughs> they don't need to know. Read Revelation. But they were rooted and grounded in love. When you are rooted and grounded in the love of God, he reveals himself to you. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, I don't call you friends. I mean, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. Because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But now, because you love me, I have revealed everything that the Father has given to me. I have given them to you. I revealed them to you. There are stuff I still want to tell you, but you can't handle them now. But later, I'll make everything known to you. I don't call you servants. You're my friends. There's a difference. There's a difference in the love of God. Amen? There's a difference. So it gives you, one, the love of God will determine how love affects God's life. I mean, God's light, that's revelation in your life. When you love God and truly love God, he reveals himself to you. He says things apart from you, for you. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning from verse 9, he says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God is reserved for those who love him. Those who what? Those who love him. But God has revealed these things to us, how? By his spirit. When you love him, he will not only prepare things for you, he reveals the things that he's prepared for you to you by his spirit that's dwelling in you. That's the way it is. He gives you light. 
You see, God is love and God is light. Without light, there's always confusion. Everything is void and, 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 and there's darkness. But once there is light, everything comes into order because of the light of God. So the thing is to love God. You know, Jesus said this very clearly. Uh, um, a scribe asked Jesus, he said, tell me the greatest commandment. Remember that? Jesus said, you know, you, you, know, you love, the, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And then he says, the second is like it. And he says, on these two laws, loving your neighbor as yourself, on these two laws hang all the law and the prophets. Everything. The whole scripture. Everything is hang hanging on the love. Everything hangs on love. And so when you love God, you got revelation. Think about David. You know, in First uh, Samuel chapter 13, verse 4, 14, uh, God was telling Samuel, uh, or actually Samuel told Saul, God has found a man after his own heart. He's going to replace you. It was a man after God's own heart. And because he loved God, God opened himself to him. There were only possibly two kings in the Old Testament that were both kings and prophets. You know them? Solomon. I mean, read your Bible, right? You have all those scriptures written by Solomon, Proverbs, and all of that. That's from a prophet. <laughs> but he was the wisest king. And I'll tell you why. Only two among the kings that God permitted to be both king and prophet. And it's in Acts chapter 2, uh, Peter actually told them that David, when God said he would not suffer his, his uh, anointed to see corruption, he said he was speaking about Jesus because David was a prophet. David was a prophet. Read the Psalms. He wrote those things. He prophesied. In fact, you can read in, in uh, Matthew, where I believe it's Matthew 27, where... Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he said nothing more. If you want to know the details of what Jesus was thinking while he was on the cross and what was happening to him, read Psalm 22. David tells you everything and he starts, Psalm 22 starts with, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The first time I saw that scripture in the Psalms, I said, well, this is Old Testament, but how come this is here? So I turned quickly to the New Testament Hey, Jesus was quoting what David had already spoken of. And David talked about piercing his hands and feet. He was a prophet. Because he was a man after God's own heart. He loved God and God unveiled everything to him. You can look into the future. You can even say the words that my son will say on the cross. On that glorious day that Jesus was dying on the cross. God opened his, himself. For David to see the future. Because he had the love of God in him. That's what opens everything for us. You know, sometimes, you know, not us here, but sometimes you encounter people, it seems like they are playing games with God. 
And I feel like, oh my God, you don't know what you're dealing with. This is not a game. This is serious business. You're hurting your own self. And I don't want you to do that. When you play games with God, you're really hurting yourself. And I've played, you know, I wasn't aware, and I was playing games, but when I realized you know, it's time for good repentance. Oh, yes. Turn the other way and say, God, deliver me, help me. Don't stay there. You know why you never know? Satan doesn't want you to know. So he makes things well, like, so you will never know. Because he knows your heart. If you find out, you're going to switch. And then God will bless you. So he blinds you. And you're making your own arguments against your own life. Away from what God wants. Solomon was, different, was another one that God was both a king and a prophet. And you know why? Not because he was David's son. If you read in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3 through 5, he says, And Solomon loved the Lord. Can you read that? Solomon loved God. He made mistakes. But he loved God. He was there in his heart. He loved the God of his father. Solomon loved God, the Lord. He, did, he tried his best. Walking in the statues of his father, David. He was trying to copy his father. He loved God just like David. And for the love of God in David's heart, God has sworn, even if he makes a mistake, I won't hurt him. That's how powerful love of God is. God said, David, even if your son makes a mistake, I won't do anything to him. I'll let him off the hook. He was walking in the statues of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burnt incense at the, at the high places. Now the king went to Gibeon. He had to demonstrate his love to sacrifice there. For there was a great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. You see, he, wasn't, he, was, he had no idea God was going to show up. He was enjoying himself for, with the love of God, for the love he had his, in his heart for God. Kill that animal because he knew this is, and, and you know in those days, when God would show a sign that he accepts the sacrifice. You know that? Cain and Abel, they knew when God accepted and when God didn't accept, they knew. And so he said God was liking this. So he's kill another one. Kill another one. Man, God and the glory of God came on that, that temple when, when he sacrificed. This was much uh, later. But on this day, he did it. And on that particular night, God showed up. God showed up. In verse 5, he says, At Gibeon, the same place, he, didn't, he couldn't go home back. He stayed in the same place where they were making the sacrifice. He says, The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and said, And God said, Ask, what shall I give you? And you know, I've often said this here, that Solomon was not born with the wisdom he had. He wasn't born with it. It wasn't genetic. It has nothing to do with his genetics or his genotype. Or uh, <laughs> I'm going into science here. He had nothing to do with that. He asked God and God delivered in one night a wisdom that is much less. Even till today. God gave it to him. Solomon said, I, I don't have, I'm not smart. This, I can't do this job you're giving to me. I need wisdom. And God said, you, that was good. And God gave him wisdom. 
and gave him a lot of wealth. But he was not born with it. God gave it to him on that day. Saul, I mean Paul, also was another man that loved God. He said in, in Romans chapter 8, what shall separate us from the love of God? you remember that? Nothing will tear him off. He says, it doesn't matter what come at me. Not even death, Paul says. Not even death can separate me from that love. He was deeply in love with Jesus. He made mistakes before Jesus found him. And he said, you know, I did really bad things. But I'm in love with this Jesus who spared my life. And it's not, there's nothing I will not do for him. And for that reason, God gave him so much revelation. Two-thirds of the New Testament from this one man. He loved God so much. He loved God so much. He gave everything to the Lord. In Acts chapter um, 21, I'm going to close with this. Just to give you a picture of Paul's heart. And how much he loved God. And I pray that this also is my portion today. Amen. And your portion. Paul, when he was going back to Jerusalem, uh, he got to uh, Philip's house, the evangelist. And Agabus came and prophesied. And the people were crying and pleading with him not to go to Jerusalem. And Paul wasn't happy with that in verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 13, Acts. He says, Paul answered them, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? You are making it even more difficult for me to do what God called me to do. What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for what? For the name of the Lord Jesus. He was ready to die. Sometimes I wonder, you know, we're struggling with this, you know, just obedience to God's word and all of that. If these little things that you have real control, but you just made a decision, I'm not going to do that. What if you have to give your life? What would your decision be? What would your decision be? I, I'm, not, I'm asking myself, what would my decision be? If somebody says, now, you, you, you could die today, if you confess Jesus, what would you do? But for Paul, he said it on that day, but he didn't make that decision on that day. It was already done deep in his heart. I'm ready to die for this thing. I'll give everything. I'll give everything. If you're withholding something from God that he wants, and you know he wants it, you're not going to be able to go this way. And it's a clear indication, God, I need, a re, uh, I need my reset button <laughs> pushed. I need to reset. Amen? We love God. We love God. And I, I make it a practice in my prayer time. I say it out loud so I can hear it. And I want God to rebuke me if there is any, anything in my life. Because we're, we're on our way to heaven. There's anything in my life that stops me from truly being willing to be. You see, first you have to be willing, and then God will empower you 
to do what he's called you to do. The willingness is what's important. Stand with me tonight. I know this is not a shouting message. <laughs> it's a sobering message. But it's a, it's a message for commitment to God so that you can be fulfilled. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. That means fulfillment, to be fulfilled in life. Doesn't mean you have to be wealthy. You're just fulfilled in life. You are happy with your God and he's happy with you. And deep inside of you, you're fulfilled. There are people who have a lot of wealth, but they are not fulfilled in their life. You ask them, they'll tell you. They are very unhappy with life. And you wonder, how can I, how can you be a millionaire and still be unhappy? Because that's not where fulfillment is at. Fulfillment is always in God, loving God. Amen? Would you put your hands out to the Lord tonight and, and, and just kind of surrender to him? You know, Paul actually says, lift up your hands to the Lord. Lift up holy hands to the Lord without fear or doubting. That's scripture. We lift up our hands to God. That's, that's, we're just obeying him. I don't have to understand it. Do you understand? I don't have to. Paul says, lifting up holy hands unto God, that's obedience. I don't question it. That's leaning on my own understanding. I lift up holy hands to God because God said my hands are holy in obedience to him. Just like a child, I lift up my hands so that he can bless me. Father God, thank you. Tell him quietly in your spirit, God, I love you. Just tell him that, mean it, let that be true in your heart. Father, thank you. We love you, Jesus, and we recognize that you loved us first. You did. You demonstrated it. Today we're asking that you help us to demonstrate our, lo our love for you fervently in the name of Jesus. You said without you we can do nothing. We have our hands outstretched to you, asking you to carry us and to help us to truly be in love with God. Let your Holy Spirit in us come alive, helping us to love you to love one another even as you loved us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you.